0: Is in Luke chapter one, beginning at verse thirty nine. <laughs> That's on page one thousand twenty six in the church Bibles. Mary visits Elizabeth. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, "'Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear.'" But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfil his promises to her. And Mary said, From generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised to our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks. be to God. Oh, good, Alex. Morning. Let's pray. Through the written word, Lord, and the spoken word, may we truly know Your living word in our lives this morning, Lord, and forevermore. Amen. How loud, How loud am I? A bit less. Yeah. Morning again. Happy, um, nearly Christmas. <laughs> happy, uh, happy Advent. Um, for those who who don't know me, I know we've had a few new. Few new families and a few other people join us in recent months. Um, perhaps you're visiting today. My name is Matt. And for those who know me, know me really well, um, you might be surprised to see me um, preaching this week. Because as it is painfully aware to Kirsty, my wife, there are T-minus five sleeps until uh, my work Christmas party. And <laughs> now I did talk about this about three years ago in another sermon, but um, bear with me. This is relevant today as it was back then. (laughs) So Christmas parties, Christmas parties, they vary. They vary a bit, don't they? From workplace to workplace, Um, you might not have one where you work. Where I first worked, it was the sort of the classic case of teams put their own thing, you know, a hotel bash, 25 pounds, a head funded by the company. Food and a, a glass of wine and a bit of dancing. Perfectly, uh, perfectly acceptable way to end the year with colleagues that you love. And then, you know, those that you struggled to work with for the last 12 months as well. Um, where I now work, those on high have sort of seen the potential of our, of our party, the Christmas party. It's a bit of a marketing tool. So it gets used a lot in graduate recruitment and stuff like that, you know, promise big parties. They put quite a lot of effort into it and a lot of planning and I think this year we've got about two, two and a half thousand people going, which is crazy. Um, So for those who remember, when I preached a few years ago on this, we explored a bit about the work Christmas party, we explored a bit about, you may even remember this chart that I've had, you remember this chart, screen working, there we go, anyone remember this? You should go, yes, this is such a memorable sermon. Anyway. That chart, I put up last time, three years ago, 2015. um, I I drew this to show the emotion that you sort of experience as you you design an outfit for the Christmas party. So, because it is fancy dress, it is a fancy dress party. And when I say fancy dress, what I mean is engineering feats, bordering on ridiculous. I mean, there are some real lunatics I work with. Um, So this chart shows how you sort of move through excitement and idea generation, through to sort of realization, lots of excitement, and then you select your outfit, and then you meet Cliff. Um, you sort of meet the cliff, and uh, you realize that, that your outfit is too complex and it's too hard to, to do and too expensive, and the party gets closer and closer and closer. Um, and you just wear, you know, you just, you just go with it. And some people wear the same thing every single year. Like, just literally, there's one guy that always just wears a black sort of outfit with some lights on it, anyway, every year. Really easy. But the point is, there's a theme, and there's a theme to the party each year that outfits should somehow relate to. Um, but in all honesty, no one has ever won for being the best related to the theme outfit. It doesn't ever happen. And there are prizes, as I say, there are prizes in this competition. And I'm not normally one that's persuaded by competition. <laughs> But for some reason, I absolutely love it. So we've had a few themes in the past since I've been there. Generally, they're based on sort of engineering principles or um, perhaps like a product we've launched or maybe related to like invention and innovation and all of that sort of stuff. So we've had, we've had power and topsy-turvy, I don't know what that related to, flight of fancy and fascination and luminescence and runway. And as I know you're all eager to know, the theme for this year is. Have we got the next slide? There it is. Not that. Feathers. A piece. Do <laughs> you like, James, how I'm using your slides? They're good, aren't they? Next slide. Click it again. Click it again. no, Click it again. Oh, oh there we go. Vision. 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 So, what we're going to spend the next 20 minutes doing is coming up with ideas for my outfit. Sorry, Tim. Not quite, actually, I'm all set. I'm all set for this year, I just need to sleep. I just, well, not sleep for the next five days and I get it done. So how do we turn this weird chat into a sermon? So, as we're now in Advent and we start thinking about Jesus and the birth of our Savior, when we look back on our passage today to Mary's song, we remember that God is about to change the course of all human history As one writer said, the most important three decades in all of time are about to begin. The most important three decades in all of time are about to begin. I'm not going to lie, it's a bit of a kick in the teeth when you're in your early 30s. The word vision seems perfect for summing up everything about the Christmas period. It is by definition the state of being able to see, it's the ability to think about or plan the future with imagination, and wisdom God has a great vision for our world and for our lives for Jesus his son and for Mary in our passage today. So our passage today is an account of God's vision, God's plan in action through Mary. And whilst we might not all know what the vision is that God has for our life right now, we can all see his master vision for all people brought to life in Jesus this Christmas time. So this morning we're going to spend a bit of time exploring sort of three examples from Mary of how we can respond to God's vision for our lives and for all people this Christmas. So the three examples from Mary are, firstly, that Mary shows us the importance of having a really deep scriptural understanding, a mind steeped in scripture. So that's the first example, Mary shows us about the importance of understanding Scripture. Secondly, we should respond to God's vision with an attitude of thankfulness and a humble heart. So thankfulness and a humble heart. And thirdly, Mary shows us the importance of God's promises and his past performance. So we're going to take each example in a bit more depth now. So, firstly, the importance of having a mind that's sort of steeped in Scripture. So Mary's story actually starts way, way back in the Old Testament, hundreds of years before Mary was even born. In Isaiah 7.14, we read this. It says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. So Isaiah revealed that a young woman would give birth to a son named Emmanuel. As we see hundreds of years pass, and people are wondering, will this happen? Where is this virgin woman? Then Angel Gabriel shows up. He finds Mary, who's likely early teens. She's poor. She's probably illiterate. She's living in a small community, preparing for her wedding to Joseph. And he tells her that she's gonna be the mother of Emmanuel, God with us. And Mary responds with, well, how, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, the angel Gabriel also tells her that her relative, an elderly and barren woman, Elizabeth, is also expecting John the Baptist. And In hearing this, an excited Mary packs up her things and takes the reported hundred mile or so hike through the wilderness to the Judean hillside to go to the home of Elizabeth. The hundred mile hike through the wilderness when you're pregnant. That's like hiking to Oxford from Bath and having to go through Swindon. And this is where our... No one lives in Swindon, do they? No? Ooh, okay. I diss them every time I do this. And this is where our reading picks up today. So our reading today picks up at that point, so Mary's now in the house. So the two expectant mothers meet And as was written in Luke 1, 15, little John the Baptist would be so filled with the Spirit from even within his mother's womb, the Spirit would have such control on him that when Mary approaches, Elizabeth gets a good leaping. The closest I've come to this is probably a good Sunday roast, but I'm sure there are plenty of experienced mothers here that can relate to the good kicking that Elizabeth is feeling right now. And she cries out and says, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, Blessed is she who has believed the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And this is enough to compel Mary into song. She's moved. She's moved by an awareness of how important her child is to Israel. And she's also moved by how the God who is changing the world is focusing his effort on two obscure, humble women. So the context is clear. And emotions are high, and the result is the Magnificat, Mary's song. And the Magnificat is poured out phrase after phrase, verse after verse of Scripture, a deep knowledge of Old Testament Scriptures. Now, my knowledge of Old Testament Scripture is a little sketchy at best, but I understand from a few commentaries in her praise, in her worship, Mary alludes to Psalms 103, and 22, and 44, and 89, and 98, and 147, and 25, as well as 1 Samuel, Second Samuel, Isaiah, and Job. I can quote you the odd verse, if I'm lucky. Flipping it, All those songs. Anyway, it wasn't a song based on a hunch. It wasn't a song of what she thought God might be like, or the type of God she wanted. She sang a song based on truths, on truths of God's character, as seen, as revealed in Scripture. He is all-knowing, He is mighty, He is holy, He is merciful. What an amazing example, an amazing example of when in her hour of need, when she really wanted to express her heart, her joy to God. She's able to go to Scripture to pray, to praise, to thank God using Scripture to worship the Lord Wholeheartedly. a question this morning: How often do, do we autopilot autopilot our prayers? Or how often, do, how often do we autopilot our praise? I know I do it a lot. How often do sort of, autopiloted prayers end up feeling empty? like sending God one of those automated messages that we receive on our landline every single evening. Same words, same thing through, just feeling empty. Having a deep knowledge of Scripture allows us to praise God from the absolute depths of our being, our soul, our spirit, giving back to God the very words that he brought into being. And For Mary, Scripture helped her to unpick her way through the good albeit life-changing news, that she was hearing from the angel and turned to praise and worship. To reinforce just how crucial a deep knowledge of Scripture was to Mary, we need to consider the situation she was in. As we hear, she's young, she's poor, she's living in a, a small community, she's betrothed to Joseph, she's carrying God's child, Carrying God's child was going to come with a bucket full of danger for her. The threat of being cast out from the community. Unwed mothers had not looked on favourably in the culture at the time. From the other Gospels, we hear Joseph considering divorce. Very real dangers. Real reasons to worry for Mary, let alone hiking for miles to see her friend. Staying there for three months. Limited sanitation, far removed from modern-day expectations. She's also a first-time mum, so as the midwife sort of hands her the baby, it's a a beautiful baby god, good luck. As if first-time babies are not hard enough. Yet her knowledge of scripture helped her to believe the message that the angels announced to her. She could see the truth. The truth will set you free. Her knowledge of scripture was helping her respond in faith and even rejoice in thanksgiving at the call that God had placed on her life, even with all these other worries and everything else going on around her. She could believe in the truth. So the first example from Mary of how we can respond to God's vision this Christmas is by meditating, by echoing the words and the truths of Scripture, praying that the words and the thoughts of Scripture fill our mouths and our hearts as naturally as they did Mary's. A second example of how we should respond to God's vision is with an attitude of thankfulness and a humble heart. Now, we've touched upon the challenges that Mary is likely to face herself personally. Potential divorce and being cast out from her community. But to compound the challenges around her, the nation of Israel is at a real low point in its history. It hasn't been an independent nation for over 500 years. There hasn't been a king on the throne of Israel and the people haven't heard the voices of the prophets for that long. The Romans, the, the oppressors of God's people are occupying the land. There's not a lot for the nation of Israel to be thankful for. But Mary's focus is not on these things. It is not on herself. Her focus is on thankfulness to God because in this child, are all the promises of the Old Testament. I read that true gospel thankfulness is it's always a matter of faith over circumstance. Seeing our circumstances through the eyes of faith in the Lord our God. So she responds with an attitude of thankfulness. She also responds with a humble heart. So verse 47, straight away she says, And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She acknowledges herself as a sinner. A sinner who needs a Savior. And she knows that she is the vessel that will bring the Savior of the world into being. Yet, she recognizes that she also needs that Savior just as much as anyone else. And she goes on. In verse 48 it says... For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. She recognizes that she is of a lowly state, a servant to the Lord. She has, she has every opportunity, every temptation to bask in her new role. You can imagine her going around, hi. Mary, mother of God, mother of God, hi, mother of God. Anything new with you? Oh, you know, mother of God, king of kings, Lord of lords. What would Jesus do without me? Yet her humility shines through a shining example of what it is to be humble before the Lord. I really like the phrase, a man has just as much Christianity as he has humility. Perfect. So... To respond to God's vision requires an attitude of thankfulness and a humble heart. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. So, a deep knowledge of scripture is what Mary has, and a thankful attitude and a humble heart. And the third way in which we can respond to God's vision, the third example from Mary, is to trust in God's promises and his past performance. Does anyone, uh, does anyone invest any money in the stock market? Anything like that? No? Pension. Pension yes, yeah. Bet on horses like that? <laughs> Bet on horses? Or maybe, maybe you approach every night time with the hope that your toddler is going to sleep for most of it. There's a phrase which says, past performance is not an indicator of future performance. It's a painful truth. <laughs> painful truth. But in the case of God, It is the exact opposite. God is steadfast. He's steadfast. In Isaiah 48, it says, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. He can be trusted to deliver what he says he will deliver. And Mary puts a great emphasis on how God has dealt with his people in the past, because it is a clue to how he's gonna deal with her going forward, how he has spoken to his people, how he has rescued them, how he has supported them, taught them. She recounts how our Heavenly Father has brought grace to his people and condemned those in power and in opposition to him. Mary's song is filled with different examples. So from verse 50 it says, His mercy is upon generation after generation. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He's scattered those who are proud. He's brought down rulers. He's exalted the humble. He's filled the hungry. He's sent away the rich empty-handed. He's helped Israel, his servant. He's spoken to our fathers. Mary is in a, a worrying place in her life right now. Yet she is rejoicing. She's praising. She's drawing strength from the God that has done marvelous things. She has read, and she has studied, and she has heard what God has done in the past, and that is all she needs to have confidence in her future, serving her heavenly Father. And that is the same for us today. God's past performances do indicate a future. He is a sound investment. Now, after, after five more sleeps, two and a half thousand of my fellow colleagues will be coming together under the theme of vision for some. For some, after weeks of thinking and pondering for them what the word vision can mean for them this year. As we celebrate Advent, and we look forward to the birth of our Savior, may we also reflect upon what God's vision will mean for us this year. Let's pray. (coughs) Lord God, as we reflect upon and celebrate the birth of Jesus, your son, this Christmas, as we look back at how he changed all of human history with his being, we thank you, Lord, that you are always looking ahead, preparing the way for us, that you have a vision for each one of us in this world. And whilst we might not know what that is, Lord, we thank you for people like Mary, who remind us not to fear. You are unchanging. You have the wisdom and imagination, Lord, to guide us. Help us to follow Mary's example today, Lord, to dive into Scripture, to humble our hearts and to trust in your promises, Lord, now and always in your name. Amen.